the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. With your host, Bay Area Pastor, teacher, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we bring you part three in our new series entitled, What Were the Three Responses of Christ at the Cross? And how do these three responses relate to us in our world today? People in this day and age respond to Christ the same way the two thieves on the cross did. And in the same way, our response to Christ will determine our eternal destiny, either to be with Christ or to be separated from Christ and condemned to an eternity in hell. So stay tuned as we continue this brand new series, for we are not pretending, we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know you're going to be blessed, challenged, and lifted up in the Lord by the program, the teaching the Bible answers, as well as people calling in with good questions. So we appreciate you being a part of us uh, every Saturday, and we trust that uh, the Lord will speak to your heart tonight in a mighty way. And uh, it, we do come to part three uh, in this series, and we've been taking our time with it because there's so much uh, spiritual truth and meat in these teachings. And we're talking about uh, there were three on the cross and three responses. And we can learn about these uh, three responses in uh, different uh, gospels. And we can find in Luke 23 and verse 39, uh, as well as Matthew 27 and verse 44, as well as Mark chapter 15 and verse 32. That's Luke 23, verse 39, Matthew 27, verse 44, and Mark 15, verse 32. All of these three responses on the cross in Jesus' day have not changed. Mankind still responds the same way. Uh, and your response to Christ's death on the cross were your sins, and my sins will determine your eternal destiny, either with Christ or to be separated from Christ in a Christless eternity of hell. You don't want to go there, my friend. You don't want to entertain that. And so you need to respond to the cross the way Christ would have you to, the way he's calling you to. And you never want to allow uh, anything negative in the cross to happen in your life. Now, Today, nothing has changed since the cross. But what God wants as a result of the death of Christ on the cross is your sins, 
for you to repent of your sins and to have a changed heart. That's what he wants. He wants a changed heart in regard to the cross. Now, all of these three men on the cross, all of their titles that we're giving you in this series, all of the titles of these three men sound alike. And I want to encourage you again to write down these titles of these three uh, men. Number one, there was the first man on the cross known as the unregenerate man or the unredeemed man. And most people in the world today fall under this category, sad to say. So this first man uh, on the cross, known as the unregenerate man or the unredeemed man. And so that's important for us to understand uh, the character of these three men on the cross and what they represent and who they were. Number two, there was a second man on the cross known as the regenerate man, the regenerate man or the redeemed man. We have many people in our churches today who fall under this category, and I'm blessed to hear that and know that, and you should be too. And number three, and thirdly, there was a third man on the cross in the middle who was the God-man, who is also known as the Redeemer, the Redeemer man who brought us to redemption by his death on the cross and the resurrection. Now, last time on our program, I spent some time introducing us to the first man on the cross. Uh, now, uh, let me talk some more about this first man because each uh, night, uh, Saturday night, I will spend a lot of time talking about each man because I want you to understand them, understand where they're coming from and how that relates to us today. And maybe you can learn to not be like them. You want to be like Christ. That's who you want to be like. It's a, Paul said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Now, this first man on the cross, he represents the unregenerate, the unredeemed world that we face every day in our lives. In our homes, there are unredeemed people in our homes. Uh, in our families, in our communities, jobs, politics, sports, cults, false religions, and sometimes sad to say, even in some of our churches. That's the sad part of this. This criminal by Jesus on the cross represents the world around us today that mocks God, mocks Christ, and our Christian faith, and they mock even the Bible. And uh, this is the world by which we live in. Uh, this first man on the cross, who is the unregenerate man or the unredeemed man, is on his deathbed. I want you to notice that. Uh, all three of them on their deathbed. And now this first man was on his deathbed right next to Christ on the cross. 
but he is still rejecting Christ at the point of death. Uh, isn't that sad? Isn't that, isn't that really sad? There's a lot of application to all of this, isn't it? There's a lot of people today uh, outside the church, inside the church, uh, that's close to death. And they're still rejecting the God of the Bible, still rejecting Christ, the one that's in the middle of their life. And there are many people in our world today that are doing the same thing on their deathbed. And they're not only on their deathbed, but they're doing it even before they go to their deathbed. Uh, because death can hit you at any moment, any second, my friend. Are you aware of that? Do you realize that? Are you awakened to that? Are you convicted of that? And a lot of young people say, well, you know, uh, I'm going to live a long time. See, that's the, the how Satan gets a lot of young people, thinking that they are immortal. And you go to the graveyards and you'll find more short graves than, than long ones. And death has no respect of person. Babies die, teenagers, young adults, adults, the elderly. Death has no respect of person. And I've never seen a U-Haul carry a hearse. <laughs> you come into the world with nothing and you leave with nothing. That's what Job says. The only thing that you leave with is Jesus, my friend. And you need to not only have uh, insurance, but you need to have assurance. That's a good word for us tonight, isn't it? Now, this first man on the cross wants to be saved without repentance. <laughs> There's a lot of people in our world that way today. They want to be saved without repentance. How many of them do you know? They think religion will save them. They think spirituality will save them. They think being in a cult will save them. They think being in a false religion will save them. They think their good works will save them. They think their good looks will save them. They think their money will save them. They think their pride, their arrogance, their egotism, will save them. But that'll take you straight to hell, my friend. That'll take you straight to hell. And this first man on the cross, he wants to be saved without repentance. And there are people like that all around us today, and even in some liberal churches. You say, you're meddling, Dr. Buckner. Yes, I'm meddling. If you want to take it that way, take it that way. Because I don't want to see people go to hell. I want to see them go to heaven. And by the way, when's the last time you heard a sermon on hell? You know, you hardly hear churches preaching on hell today. But we need to preach on it. We need to teach on it. We need to make that teaching a reality so that people don't end up going to hell. Now, he wants to be saved uh, without repentance, without acknowledging God's judgment. Uh, in his life, and in this life, and the afterlife. Uh, in other words, he's saying to Christ on the cross, if you are the Christ, the Messiah, then I have a better plan than your plan, and that is take away the judgment and let us escape, and you and me. Show us what you can do with the miraculous powers 
you are a Christ Messiah, then you must please me and satisfy my demands. Now, we see this attitude in uh, Luke 23 and verse 39. Let me read it. Luke 23 and verse 39. And one of the criminals, malefactors, which were hung, railed on him, mocked him, saying, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us, if. Now, let me meddle with the word if for a little bit, okay? Let me meddle with that. Doesn't that word if sound familiar? It is the same thing, listen to me carefully now. It is the same thing that the devil tempted or tested Jesus with in the wilderness in Matthew chapter four and Luke chapter four. He tried to sidetrack Jesus from his mission at the cross, even in the garden of Gethsemane. The devil said to Jesus in a similar thing to this first man on the cross, if you are the Messiah, then go up to Jerusalem for the feast and show yourself to the people and cast yourself down from the temple pinnacle and command these stones to become bread. In other words, in other words, Jesus displayed, uh, display your glory and your talents so people can truly be impressed and see and understand that the Messiah is truly among us. Now listen to me and listen to me carefully in, in bringing this home for this uh, point and this section. And I'll have to mess with this man again. We've got to mess with him because he needs to be messed with so that you can understand and make sure that you're not him. Make sure that your character is not the same as his. Now listen and listen to me carefully. This is the kind of Messiah the world desires. And one day, I mean, when I say the kind of Messiah the world desires is what the devil has to offer, what cults have to offer, what false religions have to offer. Uh, one day, the world will be looking for this type of Messiah in the Antichrist. The Bible calls him the man of sin. And uh, he wants to thwart the mission of Christ, and he wants to parade in the unregenerate, the unredeemed world, like this first criminal on the cross, uh, and that you can be saved, uh, you can save yourself, and you can escape the judgment of God and perform signs and miracles in the presence of the beasts in Revelation chapter 13 and uh, earn his approval. Now, Jesus came, uh, he was on the cross, uh, the God-man in the middle, the redeemer, to bring redemption and to be crucified for our sins and to bring death to self, bring death to ego. And that's why Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, I'm crucified with Christ. This thief was hanging on the cross as a criminal, and we are all criminals, but by the grace of God, we can be changed from the unregenerate man, the unredeemed man, to the redeemed, to the redeemed man, to the regenerate man. And if we just trust in him, 
and we lean on him, we won't be condemned, uh, but Jesus will receive us and forgive us uh, of our sins and uh, bring us into eternal bliss with him. So we need to, let me say this in closing, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. He's come to convince the world, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and to judge the prince of this world. And you need to allow him to do that right now. So my closing prayer with you tonight, and I want you to repeat this with me. Repeat this with me. Dear Lord, I confess my sins. I repent of my sins. Bring me from this unregenerate, unredeemed state to the regenerate state and the redeemed state. Lord, cleanse me from all my sins through your blood and give me that peace that passes all understanding. Let me meet you in the middle. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Amen. Brother Gary. Well, all right. It's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we just want to thank all of you who have been long-term listeners for our broadcast, and we just thank you for your prayers. We thank you for your financial support as well. Uh, We've been on the air a very long time, and we know it is as a result of so many folks who have stood in the gap for us in prayer. It's a prayer-driven ministry, and we know that those prayers are working on our behalf, and we thank you for them. We also want to, again, thank those of you who have been able to partner with us financially here at Contending for the Faith. You know, right now we are in a kind of a crisis mode. We have a debt of $800 that we need to retire, and we need your help to do that. This is really a critical time for our ministry as well as many others during the summertime when people tend to go on vacations and they leave and and we don't fault anybody for that whatsoever. We know that folks need to get away, you need a break, you need to have, have time of refreshing. But uh, don't take a break from your giving. Don't you know? Vac- take a vacation from helping us out. It's really, really important that uh, you're consistent in prayer and that you're consistent in giving $800. We don't want that to be stacking up next week. It'll be, you know, $1,200. We can't have that, you know, and we don't want to be in that situation where we feel like, you know, we can not support this on our own. We need your help. And you don't want to tune in and find out that we're on a permanent vacation come next Saturday. So it's really a critical time. We want to encourage you as God's blessed you always Make sure you uh, the tithe belongs to your local church. But if God has blessed you to be able to give above the tithe, then consider partnering with us here at Contending for the Faith so that we can continue to do the work that God has called us and commissioned us to do. Uh, there's two ways that you can donate. The first way is simply address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, 
Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Simply, simply go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click on the donate button. And it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. It's like I said earlier, it's a critical time. It costs us 400 a week to remain on the air. And we just don't want to see that number uh, climbing. We want to knock it out. We know that you guys can help us knock it out in the name of Jesus. We're looking to you for help. We're looking to you to continue to pray and to continue to give. Dr. Buckman, you have something you want to add to that? Yes. Uh, thank you so much, Brother Gary. Uh, we always don't like to spend a lot of time on this, but we know when, uh, you know, we get to the point where the debt is growing that we want to challenge everybody. And you pretty much knocked a home run with that. But we just trust that somebody, God will touch somebody tonight and that they will step up to the plate. And I, we know that the summertime is very challenging for all ministries, Christian ministries, because people are dealing with vacations and they're dealing with uh, their finances in many different areas. And But uh, don't forget about contending for the faith. Like Gary said, uh, you can turn on the radio one Saturday night and wonder what happened to us, and you don't want that to happen. So we have a core group of faithful people, and we just want the faithful people to step up. Some of you we haven't uh, heard from in a while, so this is a good night for you to step up to the plate and be a blessing to continue for the faith. All right, Brother Gary? We'll, well speaking, of, speaking of hearing from our listening audience, did you want to share a little letter that we received? Uh, yes, let's do that. Uh, we got a wonderful letter, always, and a donation from uh, Sandy, and uh, she says, Dear Dr. Buckner, I always look forward to continuing for the faith. I learn something every week, and it strengthens my walk with the Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to God and His Word. I just have a question. What is the biblical or Christian explanation for a UFO's and uh, creatures from other planets. A lady at work is asking me, and I told her I thought they were demonic, but I wasn't sure, so I wanted to check with you. I don't know uh, if it is even in the Bible, but do you have an explanation? I need some knowledge on the issue. Thank you. And God bless you and Gary and Vince, and the entire Continuing for the Faith family, yours and our beloved Savior, Sandy. Thank you for the teaching us about Charles Darwin. This really opened my eyes. All right. What a wonderful letter, Gary. We want to encourage people to continue to do that because we get uh, encouraged and blessed, and we know how you're blessed by letting us know that. I'm going to respond to uh, her concern. First and foremost, let me just say this, that um, the Bible does not speak anywhere from Genesis to Revelation about UFOs. And matter of fact, um, uh, this is something that uh, recently the U.S. government department came out and said the findings regarding UFOs, uh, the technology of flying objects and so forth, said that there is no uh, report of that. They weren't willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but they said they had to shut the case on a lot of that. And 
because they said we just don't have any uh, bona fide, legit uh, evidence of that. And uh, I would have to say the same thing regarding the Bible. It's just speculation and a lot of things that people see and experience um, is different types of stories and uh, that people say and come up with. Um, let me just say this, that we need to stick with Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, he created this world. Uh, he came through Christ to die for our sins. He didn't come to die uh, for another world or aliens or UFOs. And, um, and, but we do know that there's warfare uh, in the heavenlies from Ephesians 6 and 12. Uh, we do know that that's a reality. And, but this is the, a point that I want to say, too. There have been people who have actually said that they have had encounters with uh, UFOs and uh, people who are involved with um, uh, telepathy and uh, other things like that. And they say that uh, when they have communicated with something from another planet that uh, they asked them the question, do you believe in resurrection? And they said that their response had been, no, we don't believe in resurrection. We believe in reincarnation. And so there's some, a lot of demonic stuff going on out there because it tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rules of darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So, and then we also need to remember from 2 Corinthians 11 and 14, uh, that the Apostle Paul says, and no mortal for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And so he can dupe a lot of people to distract them. And that's what Satan wants to do, is to distract people from focusing on the God of this planet, the God of this world, and what he's done. And so if he can uh, you know, there's people today that are worshiping aliens and stuff like that, and that's the devil distracting people. So we need to keep our focus on uh, the God of this planet, and uh, he hasn't revealed uh, that there is life anywhere else but here. And so I would just simply tell your friend that there is no evidence. That speculation is not revelation. Uh, there is no truth behind it. Uh, there's no evidence behind it, and uh, we just need to keep our focus on this planet. And I believe that uh, when we get to heaven, uh, if there were anything somewhere else, uh, God will uh, reveal it to us and bring it to our, our understanding like he will with a lot of other things. So that's pretty much what I want to say on that and just uh, make that uh, very clear. And then one more point is that... Um, uh, demons are non-corporeal and uh, spirits. And that's why uh, Jesus said in Luke 24, a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. So uh, Jesus debunks the idea that uh, spirits uh, that can take on physical capacity. Angels did that, God's angels, but they weren't literally physical. So that's a very important point to debunk that idea and to debunk the idea of uh, Hebrews chapter 6, where uh, demons came uh, on the planet and had sex with human beings and then 
there was a race of giants. Well, Jesus debunks that. And the first principle of hermeneutics is that you always interpret the Old Testament in the light of the new and never the reversal. So hopefully, uh, Sandy, this has helped you um, and uh, given you a little meat to use uh, in relationship to uh, UFOs. All right, Brother Gary, you ready? All right, well, we, let's get to our first caller. CC's been waiting on line one. Hello there, CC. how are you doing? How are you guys doing? Oh, we are truly blessed. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm all right. If it's a little noise, we'll miss, um, I'm in a restaurant. I don't want to miss you guys' program, so I called you guys. Um, yeah. So. All right. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, you, you have a question. Uh, what, what was your question tonight? I want to ask you, um, you're setting yourself up at 3 o'clock in the morning um, every night. And between those hours, I'm up praying in the morning time. And could you expand on that? Because I know you're a man of prayer. You've been in the ministry for that. And could you explain, the, like, maybe the benefits of that? Or Because I'm always up around that time, around 3, some in the morning. I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for ministries, my family, and just in general. Could you expand on that? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, I can. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, thank you for asking it. Um, when I was in uh, seminary, uh, our professors would always tell us one of the best times uh, to study the Word of God uh, and to pray is early in the morning before the birds start singing, people getting up, and it's a time where you can have that quiet time with God and quiet time with uh, yourself in the Lord, and it's just a peaceful time. It's not only a quiet time, uh, but it's a peaceful time, and it's a time also, the benefit of uh, starting off early in the morning, not only is quiet and you get a jump on all the noisy world around us, but also it is a tremendous way to start your day off with the Lord, because it tells us in Matthew 6 and 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. Well, you know, we seek his face. That's what David did. David would seek his face in the morning, afternoon, and evening. Uh, and God blessed him immensely. And he will do that with us too. So uh, I would just encourage you to continue to do that. If you are early bird, uh, get up before the birds and uh, get into the word, get the word of God into you. It's a great way, an excellent way to start your day off. I do the same thing. And that's, that's a way that you'll find, if you continue to do that, that the Lord will bless you immensely. Because a lot of times when you uh, have your Bible study uh, late in the evening, after you spent the whole day with all sorts of things and the work and people and the job and, and just uh, family, uh, marriage, uh, by the evening time, you're just exhausted. You're tired. But... To start it off in the morning along with God, and you get into that dialogue. God is a God of dialogue, not monologue. You you talk with the Lord, he talks with you. And uh, prayer is a time where you can, uh, you know, talk with the Lord and, and talk with the Lord. And then through his word, he talks with you. So you want to have that dialogue with God and let God show you 
what he wants you to do because uh, you started off with him, everything else will turn out good for you. So hopefully that's uh, added some uh, good stuff and truth to what you uh, already is doing, and hopefully that will encourage you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It does encourage me. Yeah, keep on doing it, my brother. That's a tremendous way to start your day off and and let mm-hmm. us know the benefits of what comes out of that. Do you have any prayer requests before we let you go? Yes, you pray for my family, my mother, Rosalinda, and then it was, it was three people who was in a, a bad, fatal, I mean, a bad car accident. Um, one of them is a 76-year-old man. His life is, he's in critical condition. Um, and two other people are, are within that injury. One got a brain surgery. You can lift him up. My family, Rosalinda, celebrities. And then for me, I have, a, I have a stalker in my building who's been stalking me, and this person has been warned several times. Um, okay, hold that thought, CC. We need to go to a commercial break, and we'll get that prayer as soon as we come back. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone, give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Don't be shy. Pick up that phone and give us a call. Also, we just want to encourage you to continue to pray for Contending for the Faith. And as well, we need your help right now during critical time. We have a $800 deficit that we desperately need to retire. We need your help to do that. There's two ways you can donate. Address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way, again, it's so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the donate button and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. This is, again, a critical time for us and we need your help to retire this debt. So as God has blessed you, consider being a blessing to us here at Contending for the Faith. All right, let's get back to uh, Cece. <clears throat> we need to uh, pray for this brother. So, Lord, we just thank you for uh, Brother Cece. We lift up his mom, Rosalinda. We pray for his situation, Lord God, that he's enduring and his, his apartment complex. Somebody's seems to be uh, stalking him, Lord God. We just pray a hedge of protection, a wall of fire around CC. And we pray, Lord, also for the many, many celebrities that he has uh, lifted up and continues to lift up, that their salvation would be secure as well. We also lift up Brother Alfred, who has asked us to pray for his mother, who's dealing with arthritis in the shoulder, Lord God. We just pray you touch that area. You are the great physician, and you've never lost a case, and you're more than able to meet that need as well. And we thank you and praise you. Give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary. Uh, thank you, Cece, for your call and your your concern around <clears throat> as well. God bless you, brother. All right. Let's get, to, uh, let's get to our next caller. Craig has been waiting. Hello, Craig. How you doing? Yeah. Hi, hi uh, doctor. Um, I'm doing okay tonight. And uh, oh, Dr. Buckner... And uh, there is there's this preacher I saw on YouTube. He was giving this talk to his congregation. Uh, this was like, you know, this was this year. I think it was just a few months back. But um, you may have heard of 
Jesse Duplantis by any chance? I have. Yeah, okay, let, well, let me, yeah, you go ahead and I'll tell you some things about him. Uh, but go ahead. And yeah, finish what well, you, you may play. know. Sorry, doctor. Um, yeah, you may you may know about his big story, how he says he went to heaven. And I heard his whole story, you know, it's it's pretty incredible what he was saying. He met Jesus and St. Paul and Abraham and Jonah and some other biblical figures. And he just tells uh, an incredible wild story and he's serious, you know, but the thing is, I mean, it's a great story. He's been around a long time and he sure knows how to talk up a good, good tune, a good story. Um, you know, I want it to be true, but you know, at the end, he's in his early seventies, by the way, I looked him up. He's worth something like it said one report. He's worth like about 50 million. He's got a $3 million home. He's got three jets and he's, he's one of the richest preachers in the world. And so after his incredible talk, He's at, he asked for money, right? Okay, he says well, God told him to write a book, and he said uh, one woman gave him $1 million, and this Jesse Duplantis says, for every dollar, I save one soul. And, um, you know, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, he's, he's telling this incredible, he's making these incredible claims, and he's, and he's getting money off of it. And I mean, would it be out of line to make make a person put pressure on this person to take one of these lie detector, eye detector tests that are, they say, you know, I looked that up too. It's like 97 and 99% accurate. But uh, I mean, what do you think about a guy like this? Yeah, uh, yeah he, absolutely. Well, let, me, let me comment on it because I, I appreciate you, your concern and everything like that. Um, let me say this. First and foremost, I mean, you mentioned about he said he went to heaven. Uh, anytime somebody starts talking like that, you know that they are out of their mind and they are a cult leader because only one has to do is to look at Second Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul went the, to the third heaven and saw things that was unlawful for any man to see. And when he came back, uh, Paul was a little boastful uh, in his own way, and yet he was tempted to do that, to talk about his experience in heaven, and God gave him a thorn in the flesh, So, and that humbled him. Uh, I think uh, Jesse Duplantis, he needs uh, many different thorns in his flesh, uh, but let me say this as well. Walter Martin said this, my mentor, Walter Martin, he said the best way not to give him a lie detector test, I, I don't, I don't uh, approach him with that. But Walter Martin said the greatest way to affect word faith teachers, which he is, prosperity, name and claimant teacher, is to hurt their pocketbook by teaching people and equipping them to uh, know the difference between a cult and uh, the counterfeit and the genuine and to hurt their pocketbook and not to, you know, support them. But let me say this about Jesse Duplantis as well. He is a he claims to be a preacher, and I see him as a false teacher. He claims to be a Christian evangelical and the charismatic tradition, uh, and can, uh, based sometimes out of New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. Uh, he is a name it and claim it prosperity uh, gospel so-called teacher, 
Uh, he was on the board of regents of Oral Roberts University, and Oral Roberts was one of the early first word faith teachers. Uh, of course, you had people before him, but he was a big time uh, person along with his son. Uh, he was awarded uh, with an honorary doctorate also from the board uh, with uh, Kenneth Copeland and Benny Hinn. Well, that tells you a whole lot about him. And as far as the jets and all that concerned, he owns many different jets, private jets, and he went under a lot of criticism about this and uh, made the statement uh, that he said, quote, I'm not asking you to pay for my plane. I'm asking you to pray for my plane. In 2016, the and a fellow evangelist, uh, Jericho Kenneth uh, Copeland, uh, defended their use of private jets with the claim that commercial uh, planes were full of uh, uh, demons. And then he went on as well to say that if, uh, I believe, he says, quote, I believe that if Jesus was physically on the earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey He'd be in on an airplane preaching the gospel all over the world. So uh, this guy is someone that you want to tune off, turn off, uh, and, uh, uh, and and I would say stay as far away from listening to him as possible. And uh, if you want some materials and information on the, the Word Faith teachers, I have some good resources that I can recommend to you that will be helpful if you're interested. Yeah, well, you sound like uh, the perfect um, scholar preacher to ask about that because that it did strike me. You know, um, it is. It, it, I mean, it does have the feel kind of a of a of a cultish type of following when he throws. I don't know how he gets away with it. You know, I. I well, believe, he gets away you know, with it because he, people. He gets away with it because people haven't been discipled, and they're ignorant of the, the truth. But you know what? We have a lineup of callers. We're going to have to get to some of our other callers. But get the book as well, Christianity and Crisis, by Hank Hanegra, because he's done a tremendous job in exposing uh, word faith teachers, and Jesse Duplantis is in that book as well. But we have to go to our next caller. God bless you, brother. Call again. Take our number down, and we'd like to talk to you more about this and give you some more resources. All right, Brother Gary, let's get to our next caller. All right. <clears throat> Rick has been waiting online, too. Hello, Brother Rick. How are you doing? I'm blessed. How about yourself? Uh, truly blessed. Rick? Truly blessed. Good to hear your voice. What's on your heart tonight? We're going to try to get to your call, and then we try to get I want, to— I want uh, to continue so this uh, discussion on evolution, and uh, there, I believe there is something in the um, one of the two books of Corinthians that uh, discusses evolution and creation— could you uh, but, go into detail on that? Well, uh, yeah, uh, that's a good question uh, because some people have asked the question about uh, is there any uh, truth in the uh, book of Corinthians that debunks the ideology of evolution? And there there are. I mean, uh, for instance, the, 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 the biggest uh uh, argument uh, or to debunk it is First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. And so when the Apostle Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, in First Corinthians 15 and verse 44 and uh, 45, 
He said, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it was written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So what the Apostle Paul is doing here, uh, he not only in, in Acts chapter 17 debunks the argument uh, of evolution by talking about God created through one blood, uh, the race, the human race uh, of mankind, but here again, he's talking about uh, the first man. So he doesn't say the first thing that was done was evolution, uh, but the first thing, the first act that God did back to Genesis 1 and 1 and, and Genesis 1 and 26 is the first man, Adam. The evolutionists don't like to hear that, what says the first man, you know, and then Jesus, the second the last Adam. And then when he mentions the word natural body, it's basically letting us know that Adam had a natural body. He was created that way as the first man. And they don't like hearing that neither because they try to teach that man evolved over a period of time. Well, no. Here, the Apostle Paul debunks that argument by saying there's a natural body, the body in the Garden of Eden was a natural body that God created. So hopefully uh, that, that helps out. I know you think you have another question, but let's hold that for next time so we can squeeze in uh, Sophia. Okay, God bless. Real quick, okay. Sophia, come on on. Sophia, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm very blessed. Now, I'll be very, very fast. I'm going to save my question for next week, but I want to ask a question. I was listening, like everyone might have heard, that um, Harvard University just announced they chose a new chaplain who will oversee all of the spiritual people in the, in, at the university. And he's an atheist, and he believes in nothingness, so my, which is so horrifying to me. But anyway, uh, that's what it's come to in our universities. So I guess my question is, how young can you be? Now, you just brought, your family just has a wonderful new baby boy. I mean, you know, I think we have to start with the little kids. And a lot of people think, no, you can't talk about too, too young. But if Harvard's teaching that kind of stuff and the leader is an atheist who says, I believe in nothingness, and they chose him specifically and hailed him, then don't you think we have to get to the children when they're very young? Oh, absolutely. And by the way, it was uh, 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 our great-granddaughter is a, is a daughter. And so a girl. Oh, a daughter. So, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh -huh. But let me, let me just say this, that... Uh, when someone tries to argue nothingness in right. terms of the of, of creation, in terms of uh, trying to argue that that argument, I mean, God created out of nothing, but when they come at things uh, being created out of nothingness and there was not a creator, well, you come at it from two perspectives, okay? okay. The first perspective is you look at it from the standpoint of Genesis 1 and 1. And secondly, the second law of physics even from the scientific standpoint, it says from nothing, nothing comes. So the second oh. law of physics, the second law of physics debunks that. I have about four arguments for the creation of God, and one of them is that the earth, the earth is not eternal. Uh, it's not eternal because God created it, and it's going to die. And then also, when we talk about nothingness, second law of physics says from nothing nothing derived so we'll talk more about this more because that's a good question brother gary look like i hear that music and 
Yeah, it's been playing for a minute. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast, and we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. Please keep us in your prayers. Until next week at this time, when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.